Good morning, church. My name is Warren Williams, one of the pastors here. I'm going to take a sip of this water. I promise it's not, it's not a random water. It's my water. We don't do that here. Um, good morning, guys. I'm so glad that you're here with us as we continue on in the book of Nehemiah and the sermon series that we're calling Rebuilding. Um, and today we're going to be talking a lot about stories. Right, the reality is, is that stories are important. Right? We live in stories. We inhabit stories. Stories have a shaping effect on our lives. And I've even experienced just the effect of stories in my own life. Right? Whenever my family gets together, right, the, one of the things that we love to do is to share stories. Right? As all the good food, all the oxtail and curry go, you guys don't know about it, but trust me, it's really good. Right, it's all that's laid around and we're around the table. My parents love to tell stories. And some of the stories they tell is like, just a, in relation to them being immigrants, right? And coming to this country and getting their lives established and even memories from back home in Guyana where they're from. And some of the stories are just like stories from early on in their lives, right? Early on in their marriage, in their marriage the, the different things that they had to overcome, the different struggles they had to go through to, um, to establish a home here in this country. And I have a standout story for you today from that time. And so the story went like this. It, it was a story that happened before I was born. Um, I have an older sister, and so it was just my parents and my older sister. And my parents had to work. And their normal childcare fell through. I know how much, how frustrated you got. If you're a parent, you know how frustrating that is, right? Their childcare option fell through. And so they reached out to their network of family and friends. And my aunt who lived in Harlem, she said, yeah, sure. Like drop, drop, uh, drop Racine. That's my older sister. Drop her off. We'll take care of her. Go do your work. Go do what you have to do. So they did that. Then it came time to pick her up. And so what happened was they went upstairs, they went up to the apartment, got my sister, they're walking downstairs, it's like, oh man, this day turned out so well. And as they approach their car, across the windshield is this huge white sticker, right? And it wasn't like a, some sort of street art or anything like that. The reason why that sticker was there was because the New York parking enforcement had realized that my parents were riding dirty. They didn't pay for any sort of insurance on their car, right? And so the, 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 they put this big sticker across the windshield that says, you shouldn't be driving this, come on. And so my dad, you know, he's an innovative guy. And so he doesn't have water, but he has a key. And so he starts to just scrape away at it, you know, and get it off and just try to get things as visible as possible to, to continue uh, to go home and at least figure out all the problems there. And as he's doing that, he smells some smoke. He's like, what is that? And he looks up, and the apartment building that my aunt lives in is on fire, right? And so now he's like, oh, no. So he's like, he runs upstairs, right? Runs upstairs, makes sure Auntie Jean was okay. She was good. She's still here with us. Praise the Lord. Um, and, and then he comes back downstairs, and he's like, man, I just got to get out of this, right? And so he continues to scrape away. He's an innovative guy, like I told you. So he actually innovates a license plate right then and there because they had taken his plates, creates one right there just so he won't get stopped, right? And then he, 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 he uh, scrapes it off just well enough to be able to get home the 12 miles from Harlem to Westchester, like from downtown Phoenix to Mill Avenue with just an, a little window open for him <laughs> to see, right? And the, like, 
I, I just feel like that's like out of like the King of Queens or something. Like that's like a sitcom moment, man. It's like a calamity of errors, right? And we, we recall stories like that in my family and we laugh at stories like that because when we zoom out, right? One, we're not in that position anymore, right? Financially, um, you know, my parents have enabled, God has provided, right? God has provided. They're not in that place. They love Jesus. They pay for insurance. So you guys, not an encouragement not to do that. Um, pay for insurance. And you know, when we, when, when they look back, they just see all the ways, all the things that God had carried them through. Right, what these stories allow us to, zo- to do is to zoom out right, at our lives and, and get the right perspective, right? So that even in the present, even in the present when we're kind of, you know, as a family, when we're going through hard stuff, we remember, man, God has brought us some, from some things, right? He's brought us through some things. So they give us encouragement even for the present. And where we're going in our passage today, like I said, we're, we're going to be looking at a people who are hearing their story. And a part of their story is them being encouraged to zoom out, to get the right perspective. And they're encouraged to remember the ways that God has been faithful to them, even when they haven't been faithful in keeping their promises to him. And so my prayer this morning right, is as we get into our passage and we read about the people of God, that we wouldn't read it, this story, it's just a long ago story of of people from a long ago, but we would recognize that this is our story, right? This is our story of our God who is faithful over and over and over again, even when we aren't. And I pray that as we, as we reflect on that story, as we reflect on the story about how God has moved on our behalf, that we'll, we'll, we'll walk away remembering three things today, right? We reflect on the fact that we're not home just yet, get into what that means. Then we'll talk about why we remember that's the case. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how do we return home to God? How do we recommit? How do we renew our covenant to our good and good, good father? So before we do that, um, you guys excited? Amen. I love that. All right. Before we do that, let's get, before we get to pastor, would you join me in, in prayer and just, let's just ask God to um, open our hearts and minds to receive his word today. Um, God, thank you, Lord, for the good gift that is your word. God, the gift that tells the, 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 the story of salvation, the story of redemption, God, how you are on this mission to restore all things. And God, I just pray as we get into the story, um, God, that we would live into that story. We would live into the hope this story provides, um, God, and that even now, Lord, um, we remember how good you are, um, God, even when we, even when we fail. Um, God, we love you. We thank you for the good gift that is your word and the privilege to be able to go through it as a community. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, we're going to be a bit unorthodox today. I know uh, many of us are linear thinkers, so I'm going to annoy you a little bit today because we are actually going to start at the end of chapter nine. And the reason why we're going to do that is because I think it best gives us just an understanding of the circumstances and the environment that the people are crying out to God. So pick up with me in Nehemiah 9, uh, verses 36 to 37. It goes, behold, we are slaves this day, And the land you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts, behold, we are slaves. Its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our body and our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. 
So the first thing that we see, the first sentiment that we see expressed by the people of God, um, as we get into Nehemiah 9, is this sentiment that they're not home yet. Right? There's a recognition that, hey, there are some good things that happen, but we are not at the finish line just yet. And so where we are in the story of Nehemiah, Right, where we are in the story is that the people have finished this great work of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, this great work that God has called them to do. Right, and so they are inside the walls, united as the distinct people of God within the walls. And there's been, there have been some good things. Right? We talked about just how they've had to overcome all the enemies who wanted to stop the work. Right? The Sambalats, the Tobias, all the names of the 80s singers or whatever, um, the Ashtodites, the, all these tribes, all these people groups that didn't want to see the work um, be finished. God God has allowed them, right? God has allowed the work to come to its end. And so you have that to celebrate. You have the fact that they're just, they're just gathered, right? They're all together. They've been through this time where everyone has lended a helping hand and building the walls. They've seen the work come to, come to fruition. And even beyond that, they've just celebrated the Feast of Booths, right? This great time of celebration and remembrance of how God uh, uh, took care of them through the wilderness. There seems like there would be much to celebrate, It just seems like good time. And there's so many great things aligning, right? That it's hard to believe that what we're reading is a people who are crying out for mercy. And the reason why they're crying out is because they recognize, right? That because of their own sin, they're not experiencing the full freedom, the full thing, the full gifts that God has intended for them to receive, Right, the reality is, is that these rebuilt walls, right, they exist within a nation that is oppressing them, right? They are slaves, and even the good gifts of the land that God had designed for them to receive are going to the people who are ruling over them. And so while all the, the positives of the rebuilding effort and the gathered community, while all that stuff is beautiful, they recognize they're still not home yet. They're still not out of the woods just yet. And so they cry out to God for mercy. And the reason why they can cry out to God is because they know that God is good. And God doesn't intend for them to have a half good or a partially good thing. No, he intends for them to fully get everything that he's laid out for them. Right? He's not a God that holds back things from his people. Right? He doesn't, want, he doesn't intend to do that. He, he wants them to receive the full gifts. And, and so until they, 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 they experience right, the fullness of what God has for them, they, they just can't get settled. They're not home yet. And miss, uh, the, 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 the image that came to my mind as I thought about this, uh, the circumstances of the people, um, I got reminded of the movie Castaway by Tom Hanks. How many of you have seen Castaway? Right? And if you haven't, hey, Spoiler alert, it's been like how many years? Like, <laughs> grace period is over. Um, and so, Castaway, right? Um, I don't remember the main character's name. I think somebody yelled it out last service, but it was like 15 people and I just couldn't hear it. So, anyway, I'm gonna call him Tom. Ah, creative. Um, and so, Tom, right? Tom, the, the majority of the movie is it, what's going on is Tom is working for FedEx, Federal Express, right? And his plane crashes and he's on this desert island. And the majority of the movie just involves him trying to get back home, trying to get back to civilization, right? If you watch the movie, that scene where Wilson floats away, right? The volleyball, mm, still hits me, right? Right? A really hard scene as his only friend floats off, right? But then Tom gets saved, he gets rescued, right? And I think if this was maybe just like, uh, 
I don't know, TNT or made for TV movie or something like that. When he got rescued, his wife would be there and then they would like kiss and then he would just like walk off into the sunset and that'd be the end of it, right? But this is Tom Hanks, he's a great actor, so this has a better story than that, right? And so what, what, what actually happens is Tom returns home, right? He gets back to civilization and we see this, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's just this beautiful picture of the balloons and food and TV cameras and all this stuff is going on. But in the midst of that celebration, there's a pang of sadness that hits Tom. Right, because what he's recognized is that everything that he's left behind has now left him behind. Right? All the, 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 his family, his wife, things have moved on because they thought he was dead. And so even though Tom is not on this island uh, physically, relationally he is, right? And the rest of the movie, he can't just settle right, for just being back. He goes on this journey to really search for home because he recognizes he's not there just yet. Right, because the reality is, right, home is more than just a physical place. It's where our heart is, right? As the, I just came up with that. Home is where the heart is. Hold <laughs> me on that. And so I think there's a good word for us in that, right? Where is our heart? I think there are many things that we have encountered over this past year, right, and overcome. Right, even the fact that we are gathered here together and I can see your faces, that seemed like an impossibility a year ago, right? I was even talking to a friend about the NBA Finals and um, just the, the, seeing the arena full and people cheering, it was a beautiful thing, right? Things that we've taken for granted, we got to see and it's a beautiful thing. And I promise I won't make any sun jokes. I'm good, I know you're hurting, it's all good. We're not gonna go there today, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> But there's just so much to celebrate, right? Even as we heard of all of the things that our, our church is getting into for the fall, they can feel like there's just this sense of celebration. And that's a good thing. I don't want, I don't want you to, to miss that and where I'm going. But I think there is a danger for us, right? We have to remember, we have to continually take stock, right? To, to be introspective to the sense of asking, where is our heart? Right, as things get back to normal, we can start, what can happen is we can start to find our comfort, right, in all the things that we're now able to do and all the beautiful places that we're now able to go. And to that end, we can start busying ourselves with all sorts of things and get lost in the fact that there's still a home that we are focusing and striving and walking towards and our Lord is leading us to. Right, we forget that exhortation from the Apostle Peter. Right, where he reminds us that we are sojourners, pilgrims, right, on the journey to our home, on the journey to our home in the, in the renewed heavens and earth, right? In the, in, in, our, our home is not in the new normal, it's in the new Jerusalem, right? And the, the danger there, right, in getting comfortable, the danger in losing sight in who we are supposed to be. Right, as Will Gant said, said it so beautifully a couple of weeks ago, while we're on this journey, there is an enemy who is relentless. Right, and what this enemy is, uh, what he wants more than anything, right, is to destroy, is to discourage, and to ultimately distract us. That's where he's got a lot of us distracted. Right, distracted by all the pleasures of the world, distracted by all the, the comforts and all the busyness and all the, all the other things instead of our focus and attention being on our God. 
right? And what this deceiver does is he takes those beautiful good things that God created for us to enjoy. And instead of us ruling over them, they rule over us and we can't enjoy them because they're enslaving us. So we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be a people who are getting comfortable. We want to keep our eyes right on what the kingdom has called us to be, who our Lord has called us to be as his people. I think about even the early church, right? One of the comments made about the early church was that they were turning the world upside down. How are you turning the world upside down in the sphere that God has called you? Right, the reason why they were able to do that, right, because they, were, they weren't afraid to shake things up and lose things because they, they, they figured that whatever they lost, even their lives on this side of the kingdom, was in nowhere compared to the riches and glory that are found with, with, with their Lord and Savior. And so they didn't care what they had to lose. What they were to gain was far more worth whatever they would lose. And their eyes, right on the kingdom, on their Lord. And so my first question for you today is where in your life, is there an area in your life where you are choosing more of the comfort, where you, you can find yourself a bit distracted from the things that, and the, 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 the people that God has called you or the person that God has called you to be, the work he's called you to for the sake of his kingdom? Where are you distracted? Where are you choosing that comfort over the calling of the kingdom? They recognize they're not home yet. So as we uh, continue on, we're going to jump back in our passage. And what we're going to see is the people of God, what they're, what's going on is they're being reminded of their story. And we're going to see how they respond and even how they tell their story. Would you pick up with me in verse 17? <clears throat> and it says, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God, ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness." The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Picture of a very faithful God. And so what's going on in, in, in chapter 9, most of chapter 9, what's, what's, what, what the people are responding to is that they've just heard the, the law be read. Ezra, the prophet Ezra has read the law and he's read all the commandments and the things that they were supposed to be doing and they were failing to live up to God's holy standard. Um, and so they hear this law, right? They think about their story. They hear their story and, and how the, the, the rhythm is them failing, uh, them failing and God coming through. And they think about all that and they kind of remember the why. Right? They remember the why. We'll talk about what that actually is getting at. Because right, they need to remember the why on two fronts, right? In, the, in, in, in a proper sense, right, they are gathered together after hearing everything that they've heard and remembering their sinfulness, 
right? There's a communal repentance that's going on. They're not even just repenting for themselves. They're repenting for their ancestors and the ways that they have, right, failed to live up to what God has commanded to, commanded them to do. So there's this communal sense of grief. There's this communal recognition that what they have done over and over and over again is turn to idols, turn to everywhere else to try to experience freedom and the fullness of life. And all it has led to is death and oppression and bondage to some ruler. Right? So in one sense, they're, they're remembering their sin, Right? But then on the other sense, what their leaders get up in front of them and say is, okay, before this becomes a time of just unending grief and a time of unending introspection, right? Remember your God. Remember the God, right? As, as, as Josh talked about last week, you look at God and you remember the ways that God has been faithful. And they remember, they look at their story and even as you read through the whole chapter nine, you see their story, even though they fail time and time again, God has been faithful and rescuing them time and time and time and time and over and over and over again. And so what they're encouraged to do is to not exalt their grief higher than they exalt their God. Right, they remember the story of how God has saved them over and over. Right, and he's, he's done it because of the character that they lay out here, right? The, the very character of God is he is forgiving, he is gracious, he is compassionate, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love. And so this story, what it does is it serves to empower them against the temptation to just solely look at their present circumstances, right? Look at their own sinfulness and and forget, right, that they they serve a God who is ultimately the creator of the universe, right? He's the creator of the world, and he has been their redeemer and rescuer over and over again. But what happens is they need to kind of zoom out and see the whole story in order to get the right perspective so that they can continue to live on in hope. And, you know, I, I get a good picture of this, this in, my, in, my, in my daily life. You know, my, my, my wife, Jordan, she's a mental health therapist. And one of the main questions she's constantly asking her clients, right, is what story are you living into? And it's an important question because, you know, the reality is, is whether it's her clients or even us, like we can get stuck in patterns of thinking a lot of times because of our th- story, right, that our patterns like, like, all or nothing sort of thinking, or just thinking the worst of every situation, right? And in that mental state, right, we can sometimes live into stories that aren't the whole story, right? Oftentimes, the, the clients that she's been counseling for many years, they experience breakthroughs from some hard things, right? Like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and abuse, and just really hard things, But the sad thing is that even though they've experienced freedom from those addictions, they haven't experienced freedom from the narratives that are over their lives, right? The narratives that all they'll ever be is an alcoholic, all they'll ever be is a drug, all they'll ever be is a terrible mom or dad or brother or sister or whatever it may be. And so the reason why she asked this story, especially for those folks who have made leaps in their lives, right? So they can reset and reframe and get the right perspective. Right, yes, those hard things may be a part of your story, but they're not the whole story. Right, and this reframing, what it helps them to do is uh, it it helps them to continue in hope, right? Because if they think of themselves as only being failures, guess what they're going to be? It's only going to lead to more failure. And church, I think this reframing, this perspective changing is important for us. 
We need to, we talked about why we're not home and in a sense, we too need to remember our whys. Why we remember why we don't experience maybe the the life or the fullness of, of life that God has intended for us, right? Because of our sin, right? Because just like the people that we're reading about, we turn to all sorts of ways to try to save ourselves and justify ourselves instead of turning to the God who gives away salvation free, free gift. So we experience that in our, in our own personal sin, but sin is bigger than that, right? We, we, we remember that's the impact of sin in our world, right? That reminds us that we're not home. As we've experienced things like losing people and cancer diagnosis and job losses and pandemics and the list goes on and on. I don't have to go through it. You know it. You've probably lived it, right? And as we experience those things, uh, the Bible talks about uh, eternity being hidden in our hearts. And so when we are in those things, we say, no, no, no. This isn't right, right? This is not the way that things are supposed to be. We feel that. We feel that sense that we're not home as we go through those difficult moments in our lives. And I guess the, 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 the bad news would be if the story ends there. But as the scriptures kind of always, always allude to, but God, but God, We remember that our story doesn't end there, right? The story doesn't end there. We remember that because of our God, we have hope. That even in the sense when it comes to our own personal sin, even when it comes to the the things that we do, they're like, man, I can't believe I did that again. And all the ways that we are sinned and sinned against, we remember that as we repent, we serve this same God who the people are talking and looking at today in the past. They are this God who is forgiving and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love for you. And so we who have faith, we, we live into that true story, that, that true story that tells us that we have hope in the God of eternity. We have hope in the God who doesn't give up on us, but gives his all for us. And even as we think about sin on the, the bigger level, right, we, 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 we hope in a God, we trust in this God who has gone on to prepare a place for us. Right, and he's wiped away. It's a place where every single tear that you and I have shed in the past year, or in the past week, or whatever it may be, every sense that we've, every way that we've experienced this, the reality of brokenness, right? All these tears will be wiped away as we are in his presence, reigning with him. Right, we remember why. We remember that why as it gives us hope that even though we may share in the, the sufferings of our Christ, why we share in that comfort, that the comfort that Jesus knew, right? That his father was with him, right? That he was doing the will of his father and that ultimately his father would raise him from the dead. We share in the sufferings, but we share in that comfort. We share in the hope of the gospel. And what I want to tell you today, if you are here, right? I'm talking all about this story. And you're like, what are you talking about? I don't know this story. You keep saying the story. What is it? You know, they were talking about the true story of the world, but if you don't know this story, right, and maybe what's actually happening is you're living into some other story, right? Some story that says, all you'll ever be is an alcoholic, all you'll ever be is this or that, right? All, All your worth is tied up in how you work and what you produce. Some lie from the pits of hell. If you're living into that story, what I want you to know is that our God that we're talking about is ready to redeem you today. 
right? This God that we're talking about is ready to rescue you out of the pit of that lie, out of the pit of death. I saw something a friend said on Instagram was so good, that, that, that our God, what he does, he, he, he hasn't stopped rescuing people from the pit. Man, what an image. Lifting them, freeing them, providing a life for them that's beyond their imagination as they have the eternal comfort that he is with them through everything. Right? Our God is ready to redeem you today right? and, 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 and include you in this story of restoration that we're talking about. It's not just of all things, but of you too. You, can, you are invited into this story. This God is ready to give you a new identity, a new, a new story, and, and, and include you in his story of restoring everything. So in one sense, right, we, we remember this story. We know this story. We must inhabit this story when, the, when, the, the, when, we, when we're feeling defeated, when we're feeling just the worst of the attacks of the enemy, right? We remember our story that our God has the victory. Ugh. Remember the story. Know this story. Remember the why. Let's continue on in our passage today. As we pick up and end off today, you're going to end in verse 38. It reads, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. And so the way that our chapter ends um, is with the people in light of their story, in light of all the ways that God has moved and they've looked and they said, hey, you know what? Every time we try to do our own thing, it kind of just ends up like we end up way worse off. And so maybe what we should do is actually obey this good God who has been rescuing us time and time and time and time and over, over and over again. And so they, 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 they are in this spot where they, they recognize that they don't just want to live in the rebuilt walls of Jerusalem. They want to live within the walls of the will of God. Right? They want to live fully into what God has intended for them. They want to live fully into the confidence of knowing that they are faithfully following their good, good father. And so we, we talked about how they, they've recognized they're not home, right? We, we've talked about how they remember why that's the case. And I think lastly, what we see in this re, recommitment and this covenant renewal that they're making is that they are saying, hey, God, we want to return home to you. We want to return home to our good father, and so their leaders get up in front and they lead the charge and say, yes, we are going to be the ones to lead our people in faithfully following and adhering to this perfect, perfect commands and will of God. And I was thinking about, you know, a story to illustrate that. And then I was like thinking, wait a second, I think Jesus gave us the best illustration of this. Right? I, I, I was, my, my mind went to the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, Right? And in this story, right, we, we, the, the story goes, a, a father had two sons, right? And the youngest of the son, he goes to the father and he's like, dad, I am tired of living in your house, right? Just give me the inheritance that you were going to give me and let me go and do my own thing, right? He's, as, he's basically saying to his dad, hey, you're as good as dead to me, right? Just give me what you would give me when you die so I can go off and do what I need to do and have fun and live life the way I want to do it. And so his father grants him that. He leaves him to, 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 to do this, to pursue this life. 
And so he goes and does that, right? And what happens, he wastes every penny. He wastes every dollar of the inheritance that his father has given him, right? And he finds himself destitute, right? Working on this farm. And not only has he lost the money, he's losing his, he lost his humanity, right? Because the dude's looking at pig food and saying, oh, that looks good. Like, that's not right. I don't know. If, I'm just telling you guys, that's not cool. Right? He's like losing his humanity as he's looking at, at what's intended for a pig and saying, oh, they are eating better than me. And so he, he thinks of himself in that moment. He thinks of his father and he says, you know what? The servants in my father's house live better than this. I'm just going to go home. And, and, and I know I'm speculating a bit here, but I'm just wondering what, does, what are some of the thoughts that happen on that journey home? Right? The thoughts of man. Will my dad accept me? The thoughts of like, am I just going to have to maybe work as a servant and just work and work and work until I can pay off this inheritance and maybe he'll like me a little bit? Right, these thoughts that are probably running through his mind. And so he, he heads home. And before he even gets to the door... Right, his father has been waiting for him. His father's been standing out and looking for him. And what his father does, he foregoes any sense of cultural decorum. Right, he runs with a tunic, which a man's not supposed to do if they're of a certain standing in society. And even as I do it, it still doesn't feel right. But uh, he foregoes all the cultural decorums because what he desires more than respectability or anything like that is to be with his son. Right? He doesn't just give his son. He doesn't just let his son be a servant in this house. No. It's a good God. It's a good father. <laughs> and this father clothes his son in the best robe. Right? He gives him the best ring. He puts the best shoes on him. He cuts the best meat. He throws this celebration because the father longed for the son to be home. He longed for the son to experience just the, the goodness of being in relationship with him more than anything. Family, Jesus just doesn't tell this story because it's a nice story, right? If it'll fit well in a good kid's book or anything like that, right? This story is a, it gives us a picture into the very heart of God the Father, right? God the Father who longs for all his lost sons and daughters to return home, so that he can give us all those free gifts of salvation, of joy, of the eternal security that comes with being with, in relationship with him. The eternal security that whatever happens in this life, that nothing is going to grab you out of his hand. Nothing will take you out of his hand. The father yearns to give that to the lost sons and daughters. And I think it's important for us to, to hear this, right? Because as the old hymn goes, we love to sing it around here. Why we are prone to wander. Prone to wander. Prone to leave the God we love and who loves us dearly. Prone to wander. So as we think about that, right, even as, we've, as we're, we're, we're talking about this season of rebuilding and all the fun stuff and all the exciting things are, that are happening, right? Where in your life have you wandered recently? Where have you wandered from the, 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 the presence, from the good gifts that God has? Where have you wandered in your life recently? I think for, for some of you, what, is, what, ha- what has happened is maybe you've fallen out of community, right? Maybe just with all the things that we had to go through this past year, 
by all the tough things. You've gotten disconnected from the, the body of Christ. Right, and, and, and what has happened there is you're, you're like a lone ranger, right? And what, what's gone on there is that your, your faith, right? Even as I say some of this stuff, you're like, ah, I don't know, right? It's not as strong maybe as what it once was. And so you've been asking yourself, how do I get that back? Right, where do I go from here? And what, what, what I felt like the Spirit's been telling me in this section is a lot of us are searching for significance, Right? And if you, you can return home to God, and when you return home to God, he is going to give you that eternal significance that you are searching for. Right? Because anything that is done for him, right? any area of your life that is lived in honor to glorify him, right? it, it bears eternal significance because it is being done in the name of the kingdom that exists forever. Return home to God. If that's you today, return home to God. He is ready to strengthen you. He's ready to give you that thing that you're looking for. This is the God we serve. And, 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 and I know that may be the story for some of you, but maybe on the other end, there are some of you maybe who have just experienced hurt. Right, you've experienced so much pain, and in the midst of that, you, you maybe start to question of like, is God actually good? Right, if God was good, then why would this happen? If God was good, why would this happen? Right, and, and in that journey, you've been trying, you've been searching, you've been looking for all the people and places and things to try to put your faith in, but they don't satisfy your soul. I, I want to encourage you that you can return home to God. Right, the, the very character of God is that he is faithful. He will prove himself faithful to you, I promise. Right, he will satisfy the longings, the deep longing that you're feeling from the depths of your soul, he will satisfy those things, right? And he will show himself faithful. He is goodness. He is love. He is reality. And, and, and wherever you fall, maybe on that spectrum, right, wherever you identify the most with, what I want you to know is no matter how far you've wandered, Right? You can return home to God. He is ready to embrace you. No matter how much you think you've offended him or you've, you, you, you've walked away or you've gotten so far, it doesn't even matter. God is ready right, for, as we repent and come back to him to embrace us. Right? No matter how far you think you've strayed, you can return home. This is the God we serve, church. Amen. And as we even think about our passage, right, we think about the people in the passage and the covenant they're making here. Let me give you a spoiler alert. This is insider info. Guess what? They don't keep the words of their covenant. They actually fail, right? Like us, they fail over and over and over again, right? But the, the, the good news, right, is that thanks be to God that our hope is not in their words, Thanks be to God that our hope is not in the promises, the, the things we tell God, hey, I'm not going to do this ever again. Our actions, our hope is not in any of that stuff. But our hope is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on the cross, God made this covenant not in writing, but with the blood of his very own son. Right? The ultimate picture we, we see of love, we, we get a, a glimpse at on the cross. Right? As God gives his very own son for our sake. And so if you have faith in Jesus, no matter how many times you failed, 
right? This covenant that was made in blood, it's blood that has the eternal power to save, the eternal power to rescue you out of that sin thing that you keep doing and you say, I'm never gonna do it again. He can break those chains. He can break those bondage. The blood holds the eternal power to save, the eternal power to redeem, the eternal power to rescue you out of whatever stronghold of the enemy, whatever the, the will of the enemy wants to do for your life. This blood saves you eternally, forever. It will never lose its power. Come home to the Father. Come home to the Father, the Father who is forgiving, who is gracious, who is compassionate, who is slow to anger, and who is abounding in steadfast love. Amen? Church, as we, as we think about rebuilding all right, ourselves, oh, we're the rebuilders, rebuilders. When we return home to God, what we're doing is allowing God to rebuild us. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, Father, you are so good. God, your word is so good. God, we thank you that your blood is the blood of deliverance, God. It's the power to, to renew God, the power to, to save us from us trying to save ourselves, Lord. God, help us to remember the story of what you've done on our behalf, God. God, I pray that we would live into that story in every aspect of our life, whatever sphere you've called us into, God. Remember, God, the, the aim is our life is to give you glory in everything, God. God, and I pray for anyone this morning who doesn't know this story, God, I, I, I feel your spirit inviting them in. God, inviting them in to, to, to this story. God, of restoration, of redemption. God, of, of, of them being, the, the chains that are over their lives, the, the strongholds that the enemy is keeping them down and trying to, to, to thwart the things that you may have for them, God. God, I pray that they would feel that invitation and respond this morning to your good gift of salvation, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you this morning for the, the, the beauty, the gift that is your word in your name. Amen. So now we'll uh, go into a time of communion. <clears throat> As we take out the, uh, the, the bread, remember Christ's body freely given on our behalf for all our broken promises, for all the ways that we've promised to do this and that. His, his body was given for us. For our sins. We remember that sacrifice. You may eat. And in the cup, we talked this morning about the blood, the blood that holds the power to save. That's what this cup represents. So as we drink, we remember. We remembered that we are covered by this blood, that it is what rescues us from sin, death, Satan. Remember the power of the blood to save. You may drink. And I just wanna make a additional invitation this morning that if the spirit has moved on your heart, right, and you want to pray with someone, we're, we're gonna have folks at the prayer doors. I know it's a bit of a long walk for some of us or a long journey, but what I would say is it's a walk well worth taking. Respond. We would, there are people that are, would be loving, love to pray with and for you at the prayer doors. And now let's uh, continue in worship to our God.